The Film Comic Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Beanpole from director Kantamir Balagoff. Winner of the Best Director Prize at Cannes on Certain Regard and an official selection of the 57th New York Film Festival, Beanpole is now playing in select cities nationwide. This week's podcast is sponsored by the River Run International Film Festival, March 26th through April 5th, featuring a film noir classic with Gigi Peru and a 70th anniversary screening of In a Lonely Place. Info at riverrunfilm.com slash getaway. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nicholas Rapold, and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment. This week, the Film Comment Podcast reports from the Berlin International Film Festival, straight from, you guessed it, Berlin. It's one of the year's major festivals, and the 2020 edition has been highly anticipated because of its new leadership and an impressive slate of films. We'll be talking about the highlights, including new movies from Christian Petzold, Hong Sang-soo, and Abel Ferrara, as well as Natalia Meta's El Profugo and Viktor Kosakovsky's Gunda. I'll be joined by Devika Girish, our assistant editor, and a few special guests. Also check out our website for more in-depth coverage on the festival and filmmakers. Let's go now to our latest conversation in Berlin. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nick Rapold, Editor-in-Chief of Film Comment, and I am at the Berlin Film Festival here in lovely Berlin. Actually, probably one of the more boring parts of Berlin by pretty much everyone's agreement on uh, Potsdamer Platz. Um, it, it just looks like a series of buildings or a mall that have been dropped on a flat surface. Um, but at any rate, the festival is very exciting, and I'm very pleased to be joined by... Devika Girish, assistant editor at Film Comment. And Nick, may I just say that we are not at the Berlin Film Festival, we are at the Berlinale. Oh, well, sure, if you want to speak the local lingo. Um, I'm just a rube. They, they let me in as a hayseed. Um, I'm just doing my best here. Um, but it's a sprawling festival. Yes. It has competitions, different sections. A, the European film market is taking place. So uh, on a weekend, this opening weekend like this, it's just a beehive of activity um, and, you know, also just for people going to the festival as press, it's, it's quite interesting seeing every movie you want to see or making a full day of it. Uh, and this are, is your first time It is. You just, you just outed me. I, I, I <laughs> no, could have pretended. I could have cribbed from Olaf Muller's past reports. Oh, no, it's, an, it's always interesting to hear first impressions of a festival. Yeah. It's my second time, so I have the rare... You know, rare opportunity to know a little more than Nick how to find my way around. <laughs> to lord it over me, um, yeah. Uh, it's it's yeah. It's it's definitely it's uh, it feels like one of those festivals. I mean, different festivals have different feels. Where you can have three, four people that have entirely different festivals, more mm. or less. Um, something I can. Um, people are kind of moving in more of a lockstep, um, which I sort of realizing that it's a very interesting uh, media strategy um, because everyone's just kind of dropping a huge amount of press about the same movie or two every single day. Um, here, there are a lot of just cross currents and vectors and um, things going on. And it's in an you know, a, 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 a enormous uh, city. Um, although, again, not exactly in the center of its cultural action. It's kind of its own um, hurricane the festival is its own hurricane. You can quote me on that. 
Um, yeah, and but, this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we already have a festival preview by Jordan Cronk on our website, so we don't need to rehash those things. But yes. it is an interesting year at the festival because there's a new director, Carlo Chatrian, who was the director at Locarno, mm-hmm. um, and the program also looks quite different. They have a new section called Encounters. Uh, which is sort of newish uh, filmmakers and uh, more challenging work. It's hard to kind of define the distinctions between these sections. And two sections have been done away with. One of them was culinary cinema. Well, that's a shame. (laughs) Because I could use some tips. Um, Although I have to say I've eaten fairly well. I went to a a mall restaurant that probably was the healthiest thing I've eaten all month. Um, But that might also be... Germany, to a certain extent. Um, uh, also, just, I guess, Carlo Ch- Chatrian is a um, co-director, has a, that's a great German word for it. I think it's called like Doppelspitz, um, where they have a double head, um, where he handles, I guess, broadly speaking, artistic, and Marietta Riesenbeek um, handles kind of, I don't know, management, business, oh, and okay. um, thing. But it's all in Jordan Cronk's comprehensive preview with quotes um, galore and lots of insider scoop. So be sure to read that on the website. But we're going to talk about some of the movies we've been seeing. Um, And there have already been a few that probably have caught people's eye. I don't know. At at this point, I wish there was an audience where I could have like an applause meter where I could ask which movies you were particularly interested (laughs) in. Um, But uh, Devika, I know there was one movie that you were anticipating quite a bit i was um as everyone knows i was dying to see funny face <laughs> oh, <come now. laughs> that's too soon <laughs> i kid or maybe i don't i don't know i have not seen that film i have no thoughts about it this was just an attempt at very dumb humor um i was extremely excited to see undina, undina. which is the sehr gut uh, which is the new film by Petzold. He's, uh, just, he's just one word now. Oh, yeah. I sh- he, by Christian Petzold, for just those Petzold. of you who think I might be referring to someone else. <laughs> um, and I obviously, as I'm sure listeners of this podcast would know, I adore Transit, one of my favorite movies of the last few years. And I've just really loved his... I mean, I love his filmography overall, but I think the last four or five years, uh, Barbara, Phoenix, uh, Transit, it's just been uh, an excellent stretch of films. Uh, and obviously this is like, he's premiering it in Berlin. His films tend to be set in and around Berlin a lot. So it's just, uh, it was a very special opportunity to see it, especially as someone who is still sort of new to the city, um, kind of get to experience its history and and experience the city through its stories a little bit as well. Uh, And, you know, to put it briefly, I absolutely adored this film. Uh, I think it's maybe the first... I've seen some good films here already, but I think it was the first film I've seen here that actually just gripped me with feeling, you know, because festival viewing can be so numbing sometimes and you're fighting to stay engaged with the film because of the unfortunate circumstances you're forced to watch them in um, and it was just so nice to not have to make any effort to be moved by a film Uh, and so you know 
I, I wish we could talk about this film without actually telling people what it's about because I had read up about it a little bit and I almost wish I encountered, oh, you know, it completely unawares. Uh, but, you know, it's it's a sort of modern retelling of, a, of the myth of the Undina who is a succubus-esque creature. Uh, from what I can gather, uh, she's like a water creature, sort of a mermaid mm. who develops romantic relationships or falls in love with human men and if the men are unfaithful to her she has to kill them she has to just no choice yeah that's just it's the contract the rules of the game um and so paula beer who was the actress in transit uh the the new nina haas oh (laughs) so to speak who is just so lovely and she's apparently my age which i take as a great affront uh she plays (laughs) This young historian based in Berlin, she works for the Senate of Urban Development and Housing. So I don't remember the exact title, but it has to do with uh, urban planning and architecture. And she gives tourists and visitors tours of various models of the city, uh, you know, historical models of the city and kind of uh, about various locales in the city and what their often complicated and artistic history is. And but we meet her while she's breaking up with a boyfriend, and even though it's never, you know, they never say as much. He has called her here to tell her that he is with someone else now and has been unfaithful to her and is is leaving her. And she's just the movie just kind of sets up the mythical premise with her just being like so strangely adamant about being unwilling to or so so adamantly in denial about what he's saying and she just says you can't leave because if you do I'll have to kill you you know and she just says that sort of matter of factly and and you know you can't tell if that she's being ironic or or what the actual import of this statement is and so he leaves and then she meets uh Christoph played by Franz Rogowski also, he was the lead in transit. So, you know, both of these actors again. Uh, and they fall in love. And then I don't, I, I feel like the rest, I don't want to reveal too much about the rest, but their relationship goes through certain motions. There's um, this, something that I think recurs in, in uh, Petzold's films, uh, which is this just abject passion, you know, this this sudden and complete love and and sort of romantic devotion and it's so thrilling to watch because I think I don't know I I find that kind of passion is not always represented so effectively in contemporary cinema as much because of because I almost because like because of the modern condition (laughs) maybe but I think that uh, I I think directors who often directors are very sophisticated or maybe a little more resistant to melodrama and Petzold is able to do melodrama in a way that also feels very intelligent and deliberate. So so they have this relationship and things happen, strange, spectral things happen. And we realize that the myth is uh, coming into effect and that our lead character, who's named Undina, in case you had any doubts about you know who she is, uh, that she has to fulfill the contract or bad things will happen to the people, to the man she loves. Uh, and it's, I think, what is really, what, what 
it kind of blows my mind about this this recent uh, series of films that he's made is that they're all kind of the same film and they all have these basic recurring elements they all have a little bit of spectrality uh you know it's this classic kind of urbanism juxtaposed with i wouldn't call it science fiction but i i can't think of word other than ghostly your spectrality it's not completely myth it's not science fiction uh it's it's like hauntological i think hauntology that's a good um, word for it yeah and yeah. so it's like a similar kind of film and there's all these themes of replacing lovers you know how you take someone else's place how you become some you the desire to become someone else through love and i think in this film this film really brings out one important strand of his recent movies which is the radicality of love in certain kinds of modern conditions uh and it's and in this film you know there's a lot of history that uh, the history german history and specifically the history of berlin is always woven through uh, his films and some of them are even you know period films like barbara and phoenix here the history is just recited by the main character because she's a historian and she does these tours and she formulates the history also in such romantic terms and um and i think there's a kind of coolness in this urban environment that all of this unfolds within she's a freelancer which is explicitly mentioned at one point yeah i wish i remember the german word for freelance <laughs> i fry freilance but and you know she lives in this soulless cold little apartment in hakisha market where i went yesterday so it was very fun <laughs> to see that on screen um a short term rental which is yeah. it becomes a kind of punchline when you learn that it's a short term rental right uh and so it's not these themes are maybe not engaged with or mobilized explicitly but they're invoked and every everything is an evocation in this film i think and they are evoked in a way that yeah it it just creates this sort of uncannily political subtext of um these kinds of like i said extremely melodramatic emotionally heightened part mythical story unfolding against an extremely modern uh a depressingly modern condition yeah yeah i mean it's it's um the the ha- the movie has this interesting feature you mentioned that she's a a tour guide or docent i mean she's a historian who gives tours and so she's giving these highly detailed lectures about uh different parts of the city and different parts of the city history from its very beginning apparently berlin has slavic origins if we're supposed to uh, in terms of the the uh, etymology of it um and how different parts of the city there's this amazing riff about you know why the 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 recurring recurring narrative role of a certain palace um and how it kind of smuggles in a certain conservatism th- through its persistence across many different eras its idea or its design um and i with all those lectures i kept thinking like petzold needs history like he needs history you know as much as the movie has uh, uh, you know this this um headlong romantic aspect there's also i mean petzold is just deeply in love with with he just it's like a lifeblood to him so that the movie is set in contemporary times but like it's not enough 
for him i mean a lot of his movies have this kind of palimpsest quality of like layers of history that are layered and sometimes we're in a deeper layer in, in the sense that the movie's occurring in the past like um you know phoenix or something um or barbara um and you know obviously transit is occurring in some amalgam of past and present this one's pretty ostensibly except for the fact that she does have a flip phone i wasn't sure how to read that uh, detail but um is, is basically in the present no uh, i did in the beginning but that's the thing there's so much about the romance aspect of it the affect of the film feels it feels anachronistic in some way maybe that's just me but we yeah. just don't maybe associate those sorts of tropes of romance with such settings and so i also was not actually clear about the time but it, the film is so present because she says it's uh, it's 30 years, no, 30 or 20 years. I, I forget, she makes a reference to a particular date in German history, right. which implies that it's 2020. The film isn't in taking 20, place yeah, in 2019. 2020. I think she does mention 2019 at one point, because they're ce celebrating some anniversary. Exactly. Which I guess that would also be 30 years since the wall falling, I suppose. Exactly. I think maybe it is that. Um, um, and so so it's like so present. Yeah. And then I... I this always annoys me in movies when lovers um, and something similar does happen in the Garel movie yeah. here, which we'll talk about. <laughs> Philip yeah. Garel. Uh, there are multiple Garels. <laughs> um, and it kind of always annoys me when some easy convenience of modern time is, you know, is just like uh, overlooked in order to facilitate, a, you know, certain kind of romantic right. narrative. And this film doesn't do that. And so when the phones and the, sort of trains and all that start to play a role in their love story. It's it, it's so formally present, which we're not all, which yeah. the last, his last few movies have not primed us for that, I feel. Yeah. But swooning nature of love and sacrificing for love and these, and even the characters, you were telling me, Nick, when we were talking after seeing uh -huh. the film. That what did I say? About how the men are bad. Well, I didn't say they were bad. <laughs> I just I just thought, I mean, uh, Franz Rogowski's character is, um, I just didn't, wasn't sure they were entirely developed. I mean, he's he's an admirable character uh, as, as for a while. Um, and he seems, he's very devoted and, and doting on, on um It kind in, of has a, like a screwball quality to him in this film. Really? That's that's interesting. When he's running uh, beside oh, yeah. the train, he's a just he's a kind of a he's physical a, comedy yeah. element to it. He's, he's, he's cheesy. He's a little Which cheesy. Which is so different from Transit, where he's this yes. serious, obviously, given the context of that film, very somber yeah. figure, always suited up. And he now he's in this. He he's an um, industrial diver, so he's just such a man of tools and yeah, he's got a big hands. suit. He, he basically he seems to weld things underwater is um what, what he does which okay okay i know that's probably a thing that exists but i've never <laughs> seen it in a movie oh yeah and i think just the nature of that profession it sounds it's industrial diver i mean yeah. you're submerging yourself under the ocean to fix like turbines and dams and again it's the collision of yeah. something that feels supernatural and fantastic with something that is so modern and you know it, it's so prosaic and and like functional right yeah yeah i mean it did it, it in this movie it is more a prosaic prosaic um profession and, and actually that was something that struck me about i mean the first half of this movie is in many ways i agree there's strong like uh romantic 
currents in it, but it's it's somewhat plain. And, and I think maybe part of why it doesn't seem so immediately in the present is that it's very much in the particular, her particular just furrow that she has, she, which is sort of going between work and, and, and thinking about um, Christoph, which is the name of the Franz Rogowski character. Um, so it's it's a very like narrow viewpoint. It, it, you don't necessarily feel like Petzold is trying to say something about the modern condition, um, which which I guess is is true to, you know, I guess a, a kind of fairy tale or something. In that you know, when you read Hansel and Gretel, you don't think you're learning about the medieval feudal structure or something necessarily. Um, although I did think while watching this movie, because I knew what Undina's character would be that. I, I, I kept on thinking of what if Neil Jordan had directed this movie in the 90s and, and how it might have been different. Uh, it's definitely um, somewhat somewhat more contained from much or most of the movie. And diving is important. It's a whole motif in the movie and, you know, what's below the surface and what's, um, you know, historically as well. Um, bar- uh, not buried, but submerged and all of that. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I can't say it's one of my favorite of... of uh, of the pet solds, but it's it's sweet. Well, some of us have poor taste. Oh, what can goodness. we do? The <laughs> knives are out. The Film Comment Podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Beanpole from director Kantamir Balagoff. Winner of the Best Director Prize at Cannes Un Certain Regard and an official selection of the 57th New York Film Festival, Beanpole tells the story of two women who returned to a haunted Leningrad after serving together in World War II. A New York Times critic's pick, Manola Dargis calls it dazzling and a brilliantly told, deeply moving story about love. Beanpole is now playing in select cities nationwide. This week's podcast is sponsored by the 22nd River Run International Film Festival, March 26th through April 5th in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, featuring over 170 films from 41 countries. This year's archival spotlight features films by Rod Serling with special guests Anne Serling and Planet of the Apes makeup effects artist Tom Berman. Travel packages at riverrunfilm.com slash getaway. Speaking of poor taste, (laughs) um, uh, which you'll see what I mean. I'll explain what I mean, I promise. Uh, Salt of Tears... Which, yeah, we, we shouldn't talk about titles probably, but Salt of Tears, Philippe Garel movie. I guess I, it's my turn to describe what yes, this is. Yes, please describe. The, I want to hear your <laughs> my description summary of my the neutral salt description. of tears. The salt of tears. <laughs> and he, you have to use the phrase poor taste. Poor taste. <laughs> there is a carpenter in training, or I guess a... A joiner, A joiner. He, he builds, he builds, he will build chairs. Um an honorable profession um, uh, and he's coming to Paris to take to take an exam or study for that and uh, he runs into a girl on the bus a young woman and um, immediately starts hitting on her and um, asks her out uh, which I guess is true to a certain experience uh, of, of Paris um, in that you can be harassed <laughs> in the street. Um, only in this case, Philippe Carell's making a movie about it. But anyway, um, she's very f- um, flattered by the attention. Um, so they they have a thing for a while. But quickly he turns, in, he turns out to be a two-timer because he meets a high school uh, classmate um, and immediately uh, has, has a tryst with her and then is uh, basically juggling the two of them I think just to Did one point, anything? one point of context to add is that he is not from Paris and he's from a small town. So he meets the first girl when he's in Paris yes. for an interview. So then when he returns home, he finds this 
classmates right, so because there's right. a little bit of the city center and being uh, from the margins aspect right. to the film. Yes, exactly. Um, that which is part of his pickup line, really. He, he's like, I, I don't know this at all. Please take me by the hand and guide me. Um, so that's what happens. And um, there's a certain amount of voiceover. I have to say that's somewhat unnecessary and probably doesn't do the movie any favors. Um, and he then, uh, I mean, there's also his dad. He has his, his relationship with his dad is a big thing. Who's this just a great, I mean, I have to say that like French cinema is particularly skilled at just the old guys who really don't give a crap about anything and just are unrepentantly, you know, unreformed and are full of wisdom, but also you hate them, but you love them. Um, I think in, um, PLA, Maurice PLA's movie has, have, has this figure um, with some regularity. Definitely, obviously, Garrel does. Um, and um, in this case, his dad is is a, a joiner and could have been a contender in, in, in the Carpentry Joiner All-Stars, but is living through his son now. Um, but he's full of s- salty, tearful, not tearful, but salty wisdom. Um uh, and then there's a whole third act to the movie where he gets involved with um, another woman he meets um, when his horn dog, fellow horn dog friend, picks someone else up in a in a cafe. Who they then they go on a double date, um, and then yeah, it, he just kind of spirals from there. Um, so basically, this is a movie. Just to be clear, it's a movie about uh, cowardice. Uh, kind of um, not a guy you're supposed to like. Um, I think Garel. Fuck boy. <laughs> well, that's the that's the perspectival shift that occurs over the course of the movie. I think. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to give away the twist whereby he ends up living in in almost parodically that even his dad laughs at him. Basically, the situation he ends up living together with um, the a woman he's met. And another guy who's just hanging out there as well. Um, his dad says, like, if this was me, I would just walk out the door. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a, supposed to be a pretty picture. Um, I have completely left out the uh, racial aspect of it, which I think is definitely um, um, part of it. Um, the, the woman he meets on the street is... Well, her name is Jamila. She is... It's black and white, which I think is a very interesting choice because it actually flattens the race aspect a little bit. Uh, But I think I don't want to sort of impose, but she seems uh, Arab or Middle Eastern and also going by the name uh, or North African sort of. And the third woman he falls in love with, I couldn't tell again because of the palette of the film, even, you know, whether she was white or not, but I saw in the credits her name, and so it seemed also like a, you know, Middle Eastern name. So, and then the, his high school friend that he has the interim tryst with is white. She was she's the actress who was in Synonyms. Just being who I am, I sort of <laughs> noticed these things, and I so I didn't. I was kind of intrigued by their respective, you know, racial identity identities reflected something in their storylines with this guy. But there's another racial aspect to the film that really stood out to me. But before I get there, I just want to point out one major problem I have with this film and major loophole. 
is a guy like that cannot dance. You cannot convince me that a guy like that can actually dance. Wait, wait, you don't, <laughs> you don't believe he, 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 that character would dance as well as he dances? Yes, in the very I refuse excellent, to believe it. In the very excellent <laughs> dance sequence. Yes, let's just There's say. A, that's my, probably my favorite part of the film. It's a beautiful dance sequence, but yeah. I was like, really? So he has great rhythm and his lift <laughs> and... Wait a second. <laughs> Wait, why couldn't he dance well? Come on, look at him. He is not someone who has rhythm, okay? <laughs> I, I don't. Anyway. I'm not going to touch that. I'm just, <laughs> I, I just wanted to make sure that my issues with this film were all on the table. But the other racial aspect I was referencing was his friend who you were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. they go on a double date. He is a black man who's mm -hmm. um, also yeah. in this joinery school with him in Paris. And so they, you know, they both pick up ladies and they go to this dance club, which looked absolutely amazing. And then when they're leaving, uh, there's a couple guys who confront them and say some really racist things to the two black people uh, in that scene. Uh, his, our main character's friend and his date. And to me, it was like such a strange and sudden rupture in the film, which until that point was proceeding at this kind of very slow and like a hyperreal pace, I think. In the And maybe hyperreal is not the right word, but it felt like a very subjective story, very classical story that was following this man and his experiences. And then suddenly there's a really explicit act of violence, racist violence, uh, not physical violence, but I mean, it was very disturbing to see that. And I'm curious what you thought of it because I'm also, I got in an argument with someone about this yesterday. I'm not as familiar with Garel's filmography as other people. And this person was arguing that his films always have some kind of rupture. But for me, I think the fact that his friend, that character never reappears in the film is there only for that scene and that that scene doesn't seem to have any other reverberations throughout the film and that it's a scene that is hard to watch you know and it's kind of traumatizing to watch i, I just couldn't place its function in the film or yeah it's in, it's i mean it's a scene of, of 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 um yeah ugliness it's a scene that's of, of a terrible thing and i think that's part of why it's there because part of their just their night, their joyful night, um, might end in in something like that happening, and and that's that's what happened. Um, it's true that that character, his friend, doesn't appear afterwards. I I didn't read too much um, uh, in, into that. I mean, he's also functional in just in terms of his story, from his being the story being, being from this main guy's point of view, that he connects him with this the the, the, right. the third third woman. Um, I mean, to, to me, it's just because the uh, protagonist doesn't seem affected by this incident at all. As in, well, that speaks to his. That's again, that speaks to his just self-absorption. I don't. No, I, I don't, don't think it's even. Uh, I don't think that he is portrayed as being oblivious to this. I'm just. It's not even that. The movie just cuts from that to. A, a, just a different scene that has nothing to do with this. You know, I'm not saying that he seems like he hasn't taken this seriously. In fact, he's shown like kind of getting into a fist fight with them. But this movie just then suddenly returns to its normal proceedings. So I don't know if that me scene is meant to gesture. It's supposed to stand in for a kind of reality. It's supposed to stand in for the ways in which the world invades 
might invade into the life of a person like this. But none of those explanations are fully satisfying to me because it seems sort of, to me, like a little bit lazy to use a scene like that, which again is a scene of violence that is hard to watch. Like, and have it be unaddressed, unresolved, and just have it stand for something. Something like large. Have it be shorthand. I'm not yeah. sure if it is shorthand. I mean, I haven't made up my mind about that. Yeah. But I'm struggling with that scene. And uh, somehow it just affected me so strongly while watching mm -hmm. it. And the, the my inability to place it. The explanation I come up with is that it, it, the movie's from his point of view. And um, for... For better or worse, in this case, from your viewpoint, worse, you know, it does not pursue things that happen around him um, to 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 their 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 you know their, the fur to, to the end of that narrative. Um, it's what continues is his own, um, yeah, blinkered, self-serving, cowardly, um, um, romantic narrative, um, and. Yeah, that's I don't know. It's it's kind of an intersection. I I don't think the movie makes any excuses for the fact that it's it's an intersection of of worlds of experience. I, I don't I don't think the movie tries to pardon. I mean, I just like I don't have any answers, and I don't think either of us do. Uh, you know, I'm like I just said, I I'm just kind of grappling with it, but I do think it's a strange interruption, and I'd be curious to see what more people make of it, or whether people there whether people even give it as, as much significance as I did in my viewing. Um, I don't know. But we should, I feel like we should also, so that people don't think the whole movie is about this, the movie really is about his relationship with his dad, which sort of creeps up. It's like kind of in, uh, going in the background and then foreground, and then it ends, the, I will say the movie ends on a really beautiful note and a really beautiful line of voiceover uh, that kind of goes back to the themes that you were talking about of how is he reliving his dad's life and and also about like intergenerational repetition and distance definitely that's that's a key part of the movie so yeah there are plenty of uh you can read plenty of reviews about it it's just um showed this weekend so um there'll be plenty to read about it um so that's salt of tears um Sevika, I think you caught one of the other films um, before I was sentient um, after my jet lag. Um, Profugo, El Profugo, um, which was one of a kind of higher profile films, opened the weekend um, and uh, not a movie I saw. So, Yeah, and that's also a competition title and somewhat... I think I was curious to see it because it's the it's the second feature by this Argentinian filmmaker, uh, Natalia Meta, I think her name is. Um, and just seemed like an unusual choice for competition because it felt like a sort of smaller film um, and, you know, a newer director. And I have to say that film, Salt of Tears and Undina, have all these interesting connections that are coming up while, while I think about it. So this is just a, a very unexpected film about this middle-aged woman whose job is that she dubs for Asian like horror and genre movies. So actually the movie opens with a kind of BDSM sort of Asian movie playing on screen. And 
I thought, is this the movie? And then you see this character's face and she's like, has her mouth covered and she's like reacting to the to the scenes happening in the movie. And it's just, there's it's, you're completely spatially unmoored. So you don't know like what she's doing there. Is she watching? Is she being subjected to this? And then slowly you see her silhouette against the screen of this movie. So, okay, she's standing in front of it. Then you see a microphone. Oh, so she's dubbing and why she's making all these expressions isn't her reacting to the movie. It's her um, actually enacting those emotions. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she's she's like voice acting, basically. Right, right. But just this like really great opening sequence, a long opening sequence that keeps you guessing and then tells you who she is and what she does. But then the movie immediately cuts to her on a flight with a man who's like a, re- uh, uh, like a recent boyfriend and they're... Uh, away on a trip and she has a strange vision like she has a really frightening dream on that flight and you know she takes a pill to get herself to sleep and then they go on this holiday and they have a fight about something and it's about her talking in her sleep and she mentions that since she was a kid she's had this dream about someone knocking on the door asking to be let in and I don't even know if I should talk about this but while after while they're having this fight something just awful happens to that man. You know, you just don't see it coming because until then the movie is kind of cheeky and funny and something really dark happens. It's a very Vertigo-esque moment, also the way in which it's shot. And then the opening, then the title of the movie comes on screen and it's like 20, 20 minutes into the movie. I, so just kind of, I had no idea what kind of movie I was watching until this point. But then you sort of, it, it brings you into the idea of the intruder. Uh, she's a singer and a voice actor. And she it's like months after that horrible incident with her ex-lover. And she has a lot of PTSD. She's unable to sing in the choir that she's in. She has a lot of problems with uh, her vocals. And she's seeing psychiatrists and taking medicines. And she gets really terrible dreams. And she meets this man played by Nahuel Bishkayat, who was in BPM. And he's this strange figure. He's like really mysterious and sexy and is seducing her. Um, And at the same time, her dreams are worsening and her mother comes to visit and her mother is behaving strangely. And there's a lot of comedy in all of this. So it's hard to tell if even at that point, I wasn't sure if there's something actually fantastical or dark or if all of this is like a comedy of errors a little bit. Um, and th- and then t- the typical kind of strange, some st- random strange old lady tells her about the myth of the intruder and how there are these intruders who enter you if you let them in and they reside in you. And that's why she's unable to sing, basically, and how she's going to expel this intruder. And who is the intruder? That's kind of the question. So... It's just so unexpected at every turn and it's so excellently performed by the lead actress Erika Rivas. It's like the whole film is a showcase of her performance really and it's just, first of all, she's just like this very realistic middle-aged woman or yeah, not middle-aged but you know, kind of older woman who, I don't know, you just don't, I feel like you don't get to see that many movies um, about women like her. And and she's playing all these different tones and, you know, is like charming, then also hysterical and confused. And she's just, the, the actress is really, really powerful. But at the same time, I think 
I can't decide if the movie is like surprising in a good way and keeps you on its toes or if it's uneven. And part of that has to do with the fact that the ending peters out. It ends on the movie ends on an amazing scene. So it's a great moment, but it doesn't quite cohere the themes of the film. I mean, even as I was just laying them out, I imagine you're sort of also maybe thinking there's like a lot of different things going on and and by the end I wasn't really sure what exactly the intruder was and how it related to the earlier instance sort of horror like instance that kicks off the film just a lot of different things that don't come together perfectly but I'm still going to be looking forward to both this actress's work and the director's uh, film you know next films because I think it's a really confident and entertaining piece of filmmaking and again something different from what i've been seeing so far that's definitely one one to look out for um and i think generally it seems like it was a great choice for for opening the weekend so i think we probably can wrap things up there 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 will be a few more movies up our sleeve um but you'll just have to stay tuned there is an abel ferrara movie on the horizon for example um also hong sang su movie um, and Jajanka. Jajanka and lots of lots of other stuff. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Film Comment Podcast with music by Greg Einge. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by Film at Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comment. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle. The Film Comment podcast is sponsored by Kino Lorber, presenting Beanpole from director Kantamir Balagoff. Winner of the Best Director Prize at Cannes on Certain Regard and an official selection of the 57th New York Film Festival, Beanpole is now playing in select cities nationwide. This week's podcast is sponsored by the River Run International Film Festival, March 26th through April 5th, featuring over 170 films and special guests, including Tony Bill and Helen Bartlett. Info at riverrunfilm.com slash getaway.